Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by Run for PR's Coaching, which helps runners of all abilities discover their inner strength and potential. They understand how difficult it can be to juggle training, family, career, and other pursuits. And you're excited to help support you in your athletic journey while pushing you to new heights. Run for PR's coaches work with athletes from all over the world through an online coaching platform that allows them to set your schedule, review your runs, communicate feedback, and help hold you accountable. So all their coaches are Boston qualifiers with years of coaching experience. You can learn more at runforprs.co. That's run, the number four, prs.co, or on Instagram, where their handle is at runforprs. And if you go online and sign up for their coaching service, please use, um, just say, hey, learn about you from the Rambling Runner podcast in their how did you hear about us section of their form. So... With that said, today's show is with Philippa Godoy. Philippa is someone who I met uh, up in Vermont at the Killington uh, Under Armour Mountain Race Series. I ran the 10K. She went much, much further than I did. And I actually met her after the fact in the pool after the race. We were just cooling down. Um, I didn't know her from, from Adam, frankly. And we just kind of struck up a conversation, and I think you'll understand very quickly why, <laughs> in the middle of that conversation, I said to her, finally just blurted out, I need to have you on a podcast. I'm the host of the Rambling Runner podcast. You may not have heard of it, but you would be a fantastic guest, and um, she certainly is. So I can't wait to bring you this story. She went from non-athlete slash non-runner to three years later, roughly three years later, now she's just doing extraordinary things. Just absolutely amazing. So uh, I'm not going to talk too much about it. I'm going to let her tell her story. But thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you for Run for PR's coaching. And with that being said, let's get into my conversation with Philippa. Hello, Philippa, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hi, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. I am so excited to have you on the show. In the introduction, I actually said, I, I kind of re, retold the story of sitting in the pool, talking to you after Killington Mountain Race <laughs> and being like, after like, apparently about halfway through the story, just like blurting out like, I have a podcast and you need to be on it. <laughs> yeah, that was a great day. What a race, right? What a race. So I did the 10K. Let's tell the people what you did. Oh, gosh. So I attempted the 25K. Um, it was definitely the most brutal course I've ever been on in all my races. Oh, I've... And you've done a bunch. I mean, you, you were at the first Under Armour race. Yeah, I went to Colorado to Copper Mountain. It was my first ever time there. Um, and the race is at elevation. For those of you that don't know, it starts about 9,000 feet. And I'm from sea level. So that was brutal in itself, just not being acclimated. But I do think that the Vermont race, uh, race course was much harder, at least for me. Yeah, I heard that a lot from people who also did. It was, it was Copper Mountain. That was the name of the first one? Yeah, Copper Mountain. Yeah, yeah so I'd, I'd, I'd heard from people after the race while that said, hey, this was definitely harder. Even beforehand, people who had done the two races last year has said the same thing. I know for me, so I did the 10K, and it, I mean, it was brutal. It was like, you know, a 2,000-foot incline <laughs> over the span of like three miles, three and a half, uh, three and a half miles, yeah. roughly. Um, yeah, yeah. And so what was it like for the 25K? So my experience was pretty gnarly. The first mile was probably the best mile. Um, the uh, course was actually a wider road than I expected. I think it was probably like their RV ski patrol road. Um, yeah, it was, like a, it was like a fire road. Yeah, kind of yeah, exactly. But um, it never stopped going up after the first mile. Um and I'm in the middle of, like, I should be tapering for a marathon. And by mile five, I just thought to myself, honestly, for the first time in a race, I don't know if I can do 10 more miles of this. Because the 25K is somewhere around, like, 14 or 15 miles. I just, I just didn't feel like I had the juice in my legs for all of these hills. Um, 
<laughs> I don't even know if I got to tell you the full story, Matt. But so I decided around that point that it wasn't worth worth um, risking my legs because Berlin Marathon is next weekend. And I should try to make my way back. I didn't know what was ahead of me. I didn't know how many aid stations there were or where the next one was. But I knew what I had passed through on the way. <laughs> that was not a good idea. I ended up uh, turning around, getting lost traversing through the forest um with no signs no colors no like no flag colors you know indicating where the race course was um finding a stream following the water the way the direction of the water was flowing of the stream (laughs) (laughs) you could have been going down the other side of the i have no i didn't care less at that point man did i want to get off the mountain like i didn't even care i was like I watch Survivor Man. I'm training to be like an outdoor guide. And so I know that if I follow the water, I'm going to hit something. And that's just was the decision I made in the moment. Got out of there, um, found a mountain biking trail and followed that back to the hotel resort. So when you caught me in the pool, I was (laughs) I was licking my wounds from the course and just really counting my stars that I made that decision because I ended up doing almost uh, nine and a half miles total anyway, just to get out of there. And um, they were some hard miles. Gosh, they were hard miles that I didn't need to be doing at that point in my training, to be honest with you. That is one hell of a taper week. <laughs> Ta- taper two-week run. <laughs> well, I did mention to you in the pool that my theme this year um, is saying yes to things. And so when the opportunity came to try our hand at the mountain series, I thought, yeah, why not? And at that point in my mileage, I should be doing like, you know, longer distances. So I thought, why not the 25K? But once I saw the mountain, I understood, you know, why not the 25K? <laughs> it was insane. Exactly. All my friends did the 5K. I don't know what I was thinking, you know, but anyway. Well, you could have said yes to the 50K. I could have, but no, nah, I wasn't that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the say yes to things. I, I can't wait to talk about that because you said yes to a lot. Uh-huh. A lot. Yeah. And we're gonna we're definitely gonna talk about it. And I can't wait. But before we get into that part of the, the recent pasts and the not so distant future that right. you have ahead of you, which is extraordinary, let's kind of way back to when you said no to a lot of things. Because right. you were telling me that not only were you not really much of a runner, that you just weren't really an athlete, period, for most yeah. of your life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um I never played any sports. Um, I was on a step squad, like, which was a cheerleader in junior high school for a year. But outside of that, no, nothing physical. Um, I had a very, like, I guess, normal life growing up in the city, but, um, sports was And, 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 and tell, tell the people where you grew up. Oh, I grew up in Queens. Um, I grew up in Queens in New York city. I, um, as an adult moved to the Bronx for five years and now I live in Harlem. Um, but I've always been in New York city and, yeah, I just never played sports ever. And about 2016, uh, let me go back a little further, maybe 2011, 2012, I tried a 5K here and there. You know, when you want to um, get in shape or lose weight, people are like, oh, you should go for a run. So to me, that was like one or two miles. I never knew what training was, never heard of a lot of things, but I like signed up for like New York Roadrunner 5K once or twice. Didn't stick, hated it, frankly. It was so hard. And then around uh, 2015, I started suffering from anxiety. And I didn't know that's what it was at the time. I was really ill. I was in and out of the hospital. I was blacking out. Nobody knew what was happening. And after all these tests, my mom mentioned it to um, a friend of hers from church who happened to be a psychiatrist. And he's like, doesn't sound like she's sick. It sounds like panic attacks. Have her come see me. So one of the things we talked about doing to deal with what was going on was like, you know, physical activity is good for you. Get outside, get fresh air. In 2016, I started walking to work every day. It was about four miles from Harlem to my job in Midtown. And then I naturally was like three months in, I wonder if I could jog a little. And then it built up a bit, you know. So by March no, uh, May of that year, I signed up for a 5k with a friend of mine. (laughs) Stupid, stupid idea. (laughs) It was maybe the worst race. I, one of the worst races I ever ran. It was, um, not to, it's in a great neighborhood. It's in Washington Heights. It's a Washington Heights 5k, but it was the worst hills I'd ever seen. Um, 
for a mile and a half out and then you turn around and you do a mile and a half back. But like if you could picture a new person who has no idea how to run really, training, pacing, none of that, just getting through a one mile of hills and watching hundreds of people passing you, finishing, coming from the other direction. <laughs> it was like the most depressing experience ever. Um, but at the end of the race, I saw all these people hugging and uh, like high-fiving each other. So many different crews out there representing and run clubs. And I was like, maybe I'm just doing this wrong and I need to meet people who do this because obviously they love it. And that really kicked off my running journey. So the idea of having it connected to a social environment was it kind of a kickstarter for you yeah like i was i i always enjoyed like being outside and advent think, doing adventurous things and in nature but to me when you think of running it was always like a punishment for sports or it wasn't something you do for fun so i was doing it just because my doctor told me it might be a good idea and I was walking anyway, but I didn't really connect it to something that I could enjoy until I saw all those people. Because even doing the race and the idea of like, not like competing with myself or finishing something, yeah, that was a little enticing. But like, I felt pretty confident in who I was as a person. And I didn't think, oh, I need to like prove anything to myself. It was just more something to like aim for. But then when I saw all these people just like, (laughs) looking like they had so much fun, I thought, I must be doing this wrong. And maybe if I like make connections, I could figure out how to make this thing fun. And, um, and so from then on, I got an Instagram account and I started following all these runners and the names of different crews and, and like things I recognize from the race. And like, you know, once you get in the Instagram hole, you can kind of click your way through a whole, a whole domino effect of things. And um, then all those people motivated me to like come out and meet them in real life. Now, when you were doing the four miles walking to work, I mean, that's, that's a significant walk. So did you start feeling the positive benefits of exercise during that, during that time? Yeah. So for people listening who maybe be thinking about like, you know, new, new folks starting out, like I had shin splints for the first few weeks just from walking. Okay. Like I had never done anything like that before. Like my biggest activity was partying outside of that. I hung out with my friends. We sat around the couch, we watched TV. And, um, so that walking every day, it was rain or shine snow. It was, you know, January in New York, it was cold and, and it was killing me. My knees hurt, my shins hurt, my feet hurt. I had no idea that walking could hurt. Um, and it was just like a sign of the shape I was in and the change I was making. But then by the first, like after the first 30 days, I started feeling positive effects to my mental health um, and just my outlook on life. Like I looked forward to that hour walk outside in the fresh air. It didn't matter the weather. It was like, it just grew on me. And I'm lucky enough that I live in Harlem on 141st Street and Central Park starts on 110th Street. So within less than a mile, I'm already in the park and 90% of my walk to work was through whatever route I decided I wanted to take through Central Park. Dude, so you're walking, you're walking literally a hundred blocks. Yeah. I worked on- To 40, get to Midtown. Yeah, I work on 49th and I live on 141. <laughs> so it was about a hundred. So you're going, yes, yeah, so you're going, you know, so, yeah, so like a hundred, what's that, like 92 blocks. Oh my God. Yeah. So maybe it's a little more than four miles actually, but <laughs> it was around there. That's awesome. Well, hey, that, that's fantastic because you have that, that initial 5K experience, oh, which during the race was obviously, as you put it, the worst race experience you'd ever had. Yeah. Even to this day. And you've had a lot of race experiences yeah. since. And then you had this like complete shift when you take a look around after the fact and you see how everyone else is doing. So with that in mind, what were your next steps to try to grasp or take a hold of what you saw those other people were doing and kind of have that in your life. Yeah. So I followed a bunch of these accounts on Instagram, different crews. I remember seeing um, like their, their insignias and singlets at the race. And then I noticed one of them is my neighborhood running group called Harlem run. Um, They looked really cool. Every picture on their page, they were smiling. And I thought like, I'm not ready to show up there and meet people. I was like, pretty shy not as a person but in this environment because i didn't I, I didn't know anything about running so i was yeah, a, a little person, intimidated as a person you are not you're not shy. no 
No, but um, I showed up. So I, I, I watched them for like a month or two before I ever showed up to a run. And um, I showed up on a Monday night. And if you've ever been there, there's 200 people standing around hugging each other. Doesn't matter the weather. And I'm not a hugger. And it was really weird. And everyone's saying, hello, how are you? We're so glad you're here. And I'm like, who are these psychos? Is this a cult? Like, that's just what I was thinking. <laughs> but I had been training to be able to run four miles at like a 12-minute pace because I knew that was their slowest group. And they said they run between three and five. So I figured if I could do four, I could show up. Well, I also, I didn't know now what I know that they have a run walk and a walk, but I just didn't want to be like, like holding people up so anyway I showed up to my first run I felt really welcomed and comfortable and it was a hard it was a hard run for me but at the end I just felt really good that all these people were supporting me and they looked like they were having fun and I was like I could get to a place where maybe I could have fun so I kept coming back every Monday night um I started trying to run a little like um more regularly during the week on my own I then started exploring all these under run crews around New York City because luckily for me, I live in a place where there's got to be at least 100 different running crews and clubs in different boroughs. Every night of the week, there's a place of amazing, smiling, happy runners, um, you know, where you could join in and just join in their runs. So Harlem Run really catalyzed me to go meet other people. And at the same time, I was learning from, you know, um, the therapy and dealing with the anxiety that like community was going to be really important to me. And I didn't really have a community before running. So it was twofold, the physical exertion, but then also all the amazing people that I've been meeting um, through this really where like the next steps was embedding myself in that community and just starting to ask questions and learning about, you know, foam rolling and physical therapy and what a training plan was. And from that, from those community Monday night runs, I really started uh, seeing this world of possibilities unfold before me and like start to dream up. What did I want to try next? You know? So what do you think motivated you more? And it could have also, I mean, not to say that one, um, I mean, they both could have been extremely motivating, but between mm -hmm. besides like the social motivation of, of, Hey, now I'm becoming, you know, more ingrained in these groups and this is becoming a part of my life and these people are becoming important figures in my life. Um, you have that motivation, right, to kind of keep that going and right. to build it. And then you have, like, the internal motivation of, like, hey, I'm becoming more fit. Can I have athletic goals? Can I have running goals? And I'm seeing progress. Like, for you, what was the, the greater motivator at that time? It's kind of easy for me because it was definitely the social aspect because my first year, almost a whole 12 months of running was pretty miserable for me physically um everything hurt I didn't know what I was doing I didn't strength train I didn't stretch I just kept trying to run and um and going from zero to that like I created a lot of injuries for myself people would be smiling like oh I PR'd and I'm thinking I think I sprained something like I was just constantly beating up my body because of lack of you know just understanding of everything that goes with the sport but even though like some of those runs I cry from like I go home crying because I was in pain it never mattered because the people that I kept surrounding myself with were encouraging me and they were amazing and they were chasing their goals and it just kind of like rubs off on you um that that you could do more so I thought if I just kept running hard eventually it would stop hurting <laughs> So the and did it no <laughs> the, the, the beginning was definitely for for the community and then um like my trajectory is I did a my first half and then my first 50 miler and right at the 50 miler is when I learned everything I did hold wrong. on hold on hold on hold on hold on back up back up back up so you did your first half you just like, like threw it out there I did my first half Right. 13 miles and then I did my first 50 miler that's a huge jump yeah it was complete... especially for somebody who's like hey I've just been running for a year so what was the time frame between the half marathon and the 50 miler what was the thinking there making this huge leap all right I promise you it was completely logical <laughs> although I would definitely preface this by saying do not try this at home but um I, so I did that 5K in, like, I want to say that race is, like, March or May. It's cold, so it must be March. Then I got the bug through the community, and I started training for my first half, which was that October. I did the Savannah 
rock and roll. Um, I just because I didn't want anyone to see me running my first time. I wanted to like, oh no, before Savannah, I did the fo- the full foliage half marathon in Rhinebeck, New York. That was it. My coworker actually, I forgot, I blocked this from my memory. My coworker actually talked me into doing this race with her, and then she bailed a week before the race. So I <laughs> ended up driving up to Rhinebeck and doing this half marathon and I trained hard, man. I got the Hanson training plan. I did everything he said to do by the book. Didn't matter how I felt that was on the plan. It was happening track work. No clue what I was doing. I actually hurt my Achilles in track and I had a goal time of two fifteen, and I did two nineteen at race. I was pretty pleased with myself having no background and running. That's great. And then I wanted to do the marathon. So everyone talks about doing your first marathon. You did a half, you could do a marathon. And I have some crazy friends who like encouraged me to do an ultra, you know, like they were just, it was just nuts. And I thought I can, the marathon's a serious business. New York city marathon is a big deal. People train for this. Like they fly around the world for this. Like I can't show up to this, you know, not proper. Like I got to really focus and mentally the hardest part about the half for me was mentally staying connected to like self-talk and put one foot in front of the other and don't quit on you is the hardest part so one night at dinner with um harlem run like leadership (laughs) one of the captains is like hey i think now he's amazing he's an animal okay he runs like six minute miles he's like i think i'm gonna do this 50 miler is anyone interested and I don't know what happened. My hand raised itself and no one else raised their hand at the table. Just this really like experienced, strong, fast runner and like me and the whole table. And like, I never forget Allison, our, one of my captains looks at me and she's like, what? No, I don't know if you should do that. And I was like, yeah, I want to try. Um, because in my mind, I was thinking, well, who cares if I finish or not? I'm going to try to push through this thing. And that'll be the hardest thing I ever did. So when I'm out doing the marathon, I can self-talk myself and say, no, you've done something harder than this. Marathon won't be so bad. <laughs> that was like my idea. Um, well, that's a, that, that's, that's a, that's unique. <laughs> yeah, that's it was a unique, special. A unique way of approaching it. Um, it was so special. When was, so when was the, so the, the. The half marathon was in October. in October. When was the 50 miler? The 50 miler was the following May. Oh, okay. Of, Got tw- it. of 2017. So I started 2016. This is May 2017. And um, so it would be my first time ever running in the winter, running in the snow, and learning for ultras. You Most plans have you doing like back-to-back long runs. So learning like how to do that and really how to have heavy mileage weeks. Um, where I beat, I beat myself up my body, like, cause I still wasn't educated enough. Um, but it was just sheer determination pushing me through like the training for that. And really the support I had, cause I could ask someone, Hey, you want to come run 20 miles with me? And they were like, sure, let's do it. So uh, that helped. Yeah. No, I bet. I bet. All right. We're going to take a quick break and do a quick ad for my friends over at run for PRs. One of the best things about having a coach is that it takes the guesswork out of training. So say you get sick or you miss a key workout without a coach, it's easy to feel lost, but when you have a coach, you can just send it a quick email, a text, whatever, and they can kind of put you right back on track and take the stress out of training. Philippa, you understand this. This is about pleasure and accomplishment, not about stress. And having a coach can alleviate that. You can just delegate all the stress onto your coach. They can worry about that. You just handle your business. ERs.co and mention the Rambling Runner podcast in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And with that, back to Philippa. So I love this training for ultras thing where it's like the back to back long runs. Walk us through that because um, for a lot of people, me included, so instead of saying a lot of people, let's just talk about me. For me, the day after my long run is always like, an easy day so i might put i might put in mileage i might just have a day off but it's always like six miles or less and it's basically like nothing of consequence but it seems like the double long day double long run is like the exact opposite it's like the most important part of the week so what what did those look like for you how did you progress through that so um 
you know, the, you build up mileage, so it doesn't always start like 20 miles, let's say. But um, because I did it after my half, my half marathon was the base, and it was less than what they recommend you have as a base. So they recommend you already have like ma- marathon mileage built up. Um, but I don't usually do what's recommended. So um, I followed the weekly mileage, which you have a you build up to a long run during the week. So your Wednesday, like you run Monday. Rest Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, rest Friday, run Saturday, Sunday. Your Wednesday builds up like a long run and your Saturday builds up like a long run. And then your Sunday is starts like half of Saturday. So if you ran 20 on Saturday, you run 10 on Sunday. So my weekends looked like there was a lot of sleeping going on after these runs and a lot of ice baths and a lot of Epsom salt. Um, but I would join a group um a group of friends that started a saturday morning running crew um for a long run on saturdays and you know they were training for marathons so they were already doing the mileage i needed to do and then on sunday i'd like <laughs> beg somebody to come out and do it again with me because the sunday runs were the hardest my body was so sore things hurt and um like i said if it's if the training plan said do it i did it which wasn't always the smartest but it definitely taught me, like, how to run on tired legs, which is the point, right? You, it's going to hurt. You're going to be tight. You're going to be sore. But how do you keep putting one foot in front of the other? And so that Sunday long run or that back-to-back setup really was the first time I ever tapped into, like, the mental training that's required to, to do long-distance running. Um, and it kind of changed how I thought about running for me. And started a much smarter journey the following year. <laughs> now, how long would it usually take you to get loosened up on that Sunday run? Oh or would God. it just be kind of stiff throughout? It's like three or four miles of like stiff. And then I think, I don't know if by mile like four or five, if I was just numb or if it felt better, I could never really tell. But at that point I got over the, gosh, this hurts, this hurts. And it was like, all right, you're at four and five. How many more do we have left? <laughs> so tell me about this mental transformation that happened because that that's I think a big thing with ultras where you see a lot of people talk about how when you when you do these ultra marathons either in training or in the race that you experience this not maybe enlightenment is too much it's too strong of a word but something in that genre happened mentally when you're going these incredible distances and there's so many different reasons for it but what was your progression like mentally uh through this training cycle in terms of overcoming obstacles and achieving new things and and, and all those have that that whole that whole series of, of accomplishments oh i think too because i'm a new runner i'm still really impressing myself with everything i try because every time i i go to do something it's like you, who the person i was three years ago wouldn't have ran to the corner store. So for me, just getting out there and, and, you know, even a 5k or PRing for a few minutes is like super exciting for me because like, I remember the girl who wouldn't bother. Um, so training for the ultra, I mean, I was definitely on a high with the idea The it, it was even stupider because it was a trail race and I have never ran on a trail and it was in the mountains um, of like upstate New York, but it was a place I had hiked as a kid. So I was attached to the place. Um, I love the outdoors. So it was like, all right, mentally I'm already going to be in a setting that I like. Then training for it was pushing me in in places I had never been like, focus, determination, showing up for myself, you know, doing what I say I was going to do, following through, like all of those things um, I'd done in the career space or I'd done in my family space because I was, you know, raised to think that that's required of me, but I had never really done for myself as an individual. And so through that journey, running, training for this race, running was really becoming something I was doing for myself for various reasons. And I was learning about myself through training for it. And then there's something to be said for like, you know, pushing through the pain and getting to that place where you're almost, you're just running for so long that you're in a like meditative state almost. Um, I'm slow. I run, you know, when I run long distance, I run about 11, 1130 minute miles, more like a jog. 
So it takes me even longer to do the long runs and the training. Um, and I'm out there for hours, but by the second hour, it's like all these things start to go through my mind. Like, like I said, where I was, where I am now, what could I dream up for myself? Like, why can't I do this? You know, um, other people do this. There's no reason I can't do it. And so you start to have those kind of conversations with yourself and you know, you, you, you it is transformative. You transform through that experience because you walk away from that run or that workout or the race even like different than when you showed up for it, you know? And what are some of the mental obstacles that you felt like you've overcome in the last couple of years as a runner? I want, I want to, I'm glad you asked me that question. Cause I want to talk about like the biggest one for me. And I didn't know if I'd have the opportunity to, um, I historically have been told by friends and family that like, you know, they're proud of me because I'm successful. And I, always felt like I only chose challenges that I knew I would succeed at. Now they may seem crazy to you or to somebody else, but to me, there was no doubt in my own self that I was going to, you know, reach that goal or do that thing. And for me with running, it was the exact opposite. And with this ultra even more so I had no idea if I could do 50 miles. I mean, just the thought at the time was nuts and, and, I didn't do 50 miles. We ended up, um, me and another girl who jumped in towards the end decided to like not leave me out there hanging. The two of us did 37 and a half miles. We got to the last aid station and for many reasons decided not, not to continue from that point. But 37 and a half miles was never an idea in my mind that something I could ever do. So I left that experience really appreciating the value in trying. And not, I don't want to say set the bar low, but not be afraid to take the leap and to do something that may seem crazy or, or follow a dream that, you know, you don't really know how to get there or what the path is just because I don't know, can I, can I, or how's it going to go? It's like, it, I've learned it does not matter. The act of trying is important enough. And that has been the biggest thing that I've learned and discovered from, from running and for training for these races. Now, were you purposefully before this always keeping yourself in a comfort zone or was it just kind of like the inertia of life that kind of kept you there? I mean, I didn't even know I was in a comfort zone until this experience of, you know, reaching for a 50 miler. And I think because I didn't have like sport, any sports background and I was never a really physical, you know, person to to do something in a realm I'm, I'm familiar with and pick something so crazy. I won't say I didn't care about how it went. Cause I was invested in killing that race, you know, but like just being feeling blessed to have an opportunity to do this, to have both my legs, to have a car, to get up there, to be able to take the day off from work and like give this thing a try for myself. It was, it was so life changing. And in the other areas of my life I'm pretty successful in my job you know I've I've traveled a lot of the world I do it all alone usually as a single traveler and I do things that people are like wow I'm so impressed I can't believe that or you know in my career I didn't go to I didn't go to college and like take any formal training but I'm pretty far up in my company and like people are shocked and impressed but I was never impressed because in those there was no other option for me. Those things were going to happen because I had always set my mind to, I'm going to travel. I'm going to be successful, but I never thought I would be a runner and that I'd be a runner. Who's not, you know, just running around the block for fun, but somebody who is an athlete. I, I mean, it took me over a year to call myself an athlete, but after that 50 miler, it sunk in like, no, whether I finish or not, or I came in first or last, like I'm doing the same work. Every other runner is doing to go through their journey. So it it just um it made me realize that there were other areas of my life that I could push even further and not knowing where I would land should not be the reason that I don't try. That's such a powerful message because it's something that is so universal and not just to athletics, but something that can be applied in so many different areas. But one thing about having an athletics is that it's not just a a mental and emotional exercise is also a physical one. And one thing that we talked about at length up in Vermont was just the idea of somebody who doesn't have a traditional runner's body 
going into this field and, and kind of diving in with both feet and just saying, Hey, it does. I don't care about that. This is something that I, that this is something I do care about and I'm just going to make it happen. If like my body transforms fine, if it doesn't fine, like this is something that I'm going to do either way and I'm not going to be self-conscious about it. Yeah. I mean, I've never been like a skinny person or someone with like a typical runner's body, like you say. Um, And it is the absolute reason why I never tried to run before in my life because I didn't see myself represented and just didn't look like something I would do. Like, you know, racially, physical, physically shaped, like it's just, there's many reasons, my demographic, I just never saw people look like me doing it. Um, but once I started entering this community and seeing the diversity, but, and being accepted and I realized like, it's silly, who cares what's on the, you know, the brand's ad, look at real life people doing this thing. Like there is no reason. And like I said, I got hooked into social media. It's the reason I have an Instagram and I started following people and that was expressed to me like globally even more that there are people, maybe not elite athletes, but you know, amateur runners of all walks of life. And I started following a girl called Kelly Roberts, who I think is amazing. And we talked about Myrna Valerno and that when I started running for that first half marathon, I wanted to lose weight. I was doing it for fitness as well. I ended up losing like 20 pounds and everyone was like, you look so great. You look so great. But the more I got into my training, the more, the less it mattered to me what I looked like. Cause I was able to do these quote unquote athletic things and have these goals. And it, and my shape had nothing to do with it. You know, it made buying gear difficult, to be honest. But outside of that, there was no reason I couldn't show up to the starting line with everyone else. And I started to, you know, really appreciate my what my body was capable of doing just the way it is right now. And um, I think it also kicked off a little bit of a self-love journey there that uh, I, I don't know would have started without without running you know, especially with social, social media and the media period, like it could be a great place, but you know, it can also be a a negative place too, if you let it. So. Yeah, no, that's for sure. It really depends on kind of the the culture you try to put yourself in, especially something like Instagram, where you kind of choose who you follow, obviously on Twitter or something like that, anyone can comment on your stuff, but it's almost like an Instagram, you kind of like create your own community in a yeah. way and you have like you know you have this this digital community but you have this you know real life in person community and communities because you're part of you're kind of in and out of a lot of different running groups sounds yeah. like um so you're kind of here there and everywhere um and with that said like when you mentioned before like when you started you didn't see yourself or people like you represented kind of in the media at large how much of a big deal is that for people who are thinking about getting into a sport or trying something new. Um, and I'm bringing this up at a point as a point of like naivete. Cause like, that's not something that's not an issue I've had to experience. Right. As a white male, who's been active my whole life. Like that's just not, that, that particular issue has never been a hurdle for me. So like, what is that? What does that actually feel like? And when you're, when you're in that zone and you're seeing it from afar? Um, it's, it's tough. I mean, I think looking at seeing yourself represented in, in, in things you dream about is important, you know, from all aspects for, for being a woman, for being a person of color, but also for being somebody who's considered plus size, even on the average size in America, just putting that out there. Um, And then it gets practically difficult from like a clothing standpoint and, you know, having things fit, um, feeling like you can fit in with the rest of your group, especially now I'm part of like leadership. So I'm a pacer for a, for a Harlem run. Um, there's 12 of us and, you know, the gear just doesn't fit me <laughs> or, um, you know, just, just feeling like I belong. You go to a race. Can I buy the race shirt? Th- those types of things. Cause I work just as hard as the person in the other side. So it, it does come up. Um, but it's something through like strong support in the community that I'm in that I'm lucky enough to like, know that it's silly, it's superficial, it's merchandising. And at the end of the day, I'm accepted here and I feel good about myself and that's all that matters. But I'm also a tough skinned person and I wonder how much it deters people from getting involved, you know, especially people who are just starting up that are maybe that maybe are starting running for a weight loss or like a a health, a health change, a lifestyle change. I can't, I can't imagine um, how difficult it is if you're in an extreme uh, uh, on that spectrum. Like I just had to buy extra large. I'm not as bad as it gets, you know? 
Right. But it sounds like it also provides you with an opportunity because now you're someone who has a leadership role in some of these groups, some of these areas, and you really can influence a lot of people who maybe have experienced or experiencing now what you had experienced a couple of years ago. And you're able to take that on and kind of, you know, kind of turn you know lemons into lemonade a little bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I talk to that are new about chafing cream because no one mentioned it to me and now it's changed my life. So I tell everyone all about it. Um, but also, I'm, you know, I'm lucky to, to be able to talk to new people who start out about foam rolling and stretching and and doing their first race for fun and not getting caught up in the culture of being fast if that's not something that they're interested in because that also influenced me in the beginning of my running I thought that was the whole point and then you know throughout my own journey I learned that I could make running my own thing and it doesn't have to be about speed you know um and so that's something I talked to them about as well but but really just kind of making running something that they do for themselves because I think if you go with that in mind um you'll naturally find your way to a place of like acceptance and 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 enjoyment in the sport versus you know trying to fit in or worrying about what everybody else is doing I mean that's just like the natural way of life but running can offer you so much more if you just you know do it for you Right, because I feel like you can the ex- external motivators. I think are great in the short term. Um, now oh, yeah. this, is, this this is painting with a very broad brush, right? I mean, there's plenty of people like Lance Armstrong is one of them who took external motivators and made an entire career out of them. Granted, he had a lot of other things going on in his life, but he was obviously a very driven athlete. And if, and if you read any Lance Armstrong books, you know it was all external motivation stuff that had gone on in his life that he was trying to overcome through athletics. Anyway. Right. So for some people, they can go on that external motivator and it takes them very far. But I feel like for a lot more people, it's, a, it's kind of like a short-term salve because ultimately, unless you are literally at the top of your um, endeavor, whether it's running or whatever, in Lance Armstrong's case, biking, there's always a new person that you can compare yourself to who's faster. Right. right. right? So if you, do, if you do the whole external route, well, then, okay, so all of a sudden you beat – you know, Mary Joe Johnson in a race, but uh oh, like Helen Ramirez beat me by two minutes. So now I'm looking at Helen Ramirez. You know what I mean? So it's like if you go external, there's always a next person. No, of course, of course, of course. And like you have to take that same strategy into racing, you know, not just running, whether it's for fun or whatever, but if you decide to take it to the racing level, like I did when I did my first marathon, I asked my I asked everyone, what would you, you had one piece of advice. What would you tell me? You know, I was really anxious about New York. Like I, I wanted to be a serious athlete. I wanted to take, you know, I did all the training. I wanted to show up and not just have fun. I wanted to, you know, do it well. And I had all these questions and I got all this crazy advice. And my captain Allison said, looked at me with kind of like a quick little face. And she was like, run your race. And I, I was like, thinking in my mind well that's rude is that it like that's all I have to say (laughs) and and I I let it sink in and I swear I repeated that to myself at mile 10 and mile 20 you know and right at the very end like this is my race I'm doing this for myself who cares what the person next to me is doing or you know what my, my friend who finished three hours ago is it doesn't matter like run my race so this is how I'm gonna do my race but like life you know until you start doing it, you don't realize how how much you can benefit from running. I'm sure you've had this conversation a million times about how it's like a parallel for life. And you get all the lessons you learn through running, you can apply to other areas of your life. And that's what I've been discovering on my own journey um, is, is just that. And that it, it is about you. The external motivator helped get me started. So did the community, the social aspect, you know, the signing up for every roadrunner race to get my nine plus one, like going to all these different run crews, being everywhere every night. Yeah. But like now things have changed in my life and my schedule. And I, I, I cherish all of those times, but I still have running. And I know I can pop up in my community when I want, but doing it for me is why I keep going, not, you know, for any other reason. Yeah. And I think there's another way 
to express yourself or you know, kind of like take that external point of view. That's also very helpful. Like we just brought it up like external, like comparing yourself to another individual and either taking pride in that or being down on yourself for that. Right. But there's another way to do it that's actually very useful. And it's something that you've kind of talked about a little bit already. And I know you do it um, very much in your own life is that being there as someone who's supporting somebody else or thinking about somebody else and that that can be a huge benefit to your own performance. That's one way to kind of to, to detach yourself from whatever's going on in your body, whether it's a tough race or a tough run, and you start thinking about other individuals, like, all right, how can I help them? Or you're, you're very much external focus, not internal focus, and it can kind of boost you up. And maybe it's like smiling or saying hi to runners going the other direction or helping people in your run crew. But I feel like that's one way to focus externally that basically has only positive benefits. Oh, and yeah. There's, there's almost no negative to it. No. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I mentioned I'm a pacer now. So, um, I did that cause I didn't want to run in the winter time by myself cause I had never done it for the first year. And I thought if I show up, if I commit to being a pacer, I'll, um, I'll have no choice but to show up for other people. And then I'll have to do this thing. I don't really want to do. And it was supposed to be like temporary. And I think I'm doing it for two years now. And I did the same in like other areas. I learned to be a group bike leader with a local community group um, because I, I just bought a bike and I wanted to do the five borough bike tour and I didn't know anything about it. And so I volunteered to like lead group rides in exchange for like learning, you know, how to, not how to ride a bike cause I know how to ride a bike, but like just how to plan routes and follow traffic laws and all that stuff. And, I'm actually hoping to switch professions, but I'm learning to be an outdoor guide and lead hikes. And like, I find that whenever I put my leadership hat on, there's no room for me to think about me. I mean, I do, of course, for safety and like how, a check in how I'm feeling, but it's to the backseat of making sure that the people around me are comfortable, safe in a, in an accepted space, having a good time. Maybe they're learning, you know, and, and they, they walk away for whether it's their first time, running hiking biking whatever or their hundredth time they walk away wanting to do it again because the only reason why i wanted to run every week in that first year was because of the people but i like i said i was uneducated and i was in pain and i didn't know what i was doing and through the conversations i had with people as a new person i persisted because those leaders set created a place for me that I wanted to be in and so whenever I put my leadership hat on gosh it makes me a better a better runner or a better biker or whatever because everyone else is the concern and suddenly I just did 20 miles and I didn't notice it or you know I climbed that mountain or whatever we ended up doing and um, it makes me a better person at the end of the day and I think is a good like you say a good external motivator also a bit of a good distraction too (laughs) yeah I mean there's a lot of reasons to do it like it can help you and it can help others yeah, for so it's sure. almost like, hey, like, it's it's especially if you're not feeling it. I mean, there's sometimes when you're, oh, yeah. you're sometimes when you're feeling great on your run, you want to like you want to be internal. You're like, this is awesome. Like, I want to soak up every minute of this feeling. And there are other times where either it's just a ho hum run or you're starting to hurt, where it can really help to detach a little bit and and uh, and kind of focus on the other. That's for sure. So. Back to 2018, the say yes to things year. Yeah. So tell us, I already know, and I'm like in awe of the whole thing. Tell us what you said yes to for this fall and early winter. So originally, I only said yes to three marathons. (laughs) That was where it was supposed to be. I started off the year, um, I had entered into the lotteries for uh, Berlin, Chicago, and for New York, I actually requalified for nine, nine plus one, which gets me into the, the marathon. So I knew I was going to do New York and I applied to the other two lotteries and lucky me, I got into both of them. So I have three marathons on the calendar, um, September, October, November. Actually, I leave next week for the first one, which is Berlin. So got, that was supposed to be it. So you got Berlin in September. Right. right. What do we got in October? Chicago in October, the first weekend of October. All right. And then New York City is the first weekend of November. Oh, so holy that, cow. All right. That so, was supposed to be it. But so, that wasn't so, it. <laughs> so so in, in addition, this summer, you did the Copper Mountain Race. I did the Copper Mountain Race. You did I Killington. Did, I, I, tried, I tried Killington. I think quitting that was the smartest thing I ever did. Um, I... 
Gosh, I feel like I did. Oh, I went to Atlanta for the Peachtree 10K because we got invited to Atlanta for the race. I went to New Orleans in August to run with some of my friends there from the 504 um, because they're training for their first marathon, which is New York. So I was like, yeah, let's do a long run. Stupid. It was like it was it was a heat heat streak that week. And I was there for like the hottest year in record for who knows how long. It was disgusting. My last Um, podcast was with Ebony Blackwell. Yeah. Who's from New Orleans. Yes, and she I know was telling her. me she's she's like, oh, all right, there you go. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's bad. I I can't. I watch them hit their numbers. Her and a couple of my other friends who are training, um, Lorraine, who she mentioned, my friend Lindsay. I watch them hit their numbers, and I don't understand because I was there. I know how hot it is. We got up at four in the morning. It did not matter. I'm so proud of them because they they're so like I think a little anxious about getting their times, but I don't think they realize how how strong they are for getting through that weather. Like these races are going to be a breeze in comparison, but yeah. So, so you're talking about other people right now, the way I think about you. Cause like, <laughs> cause like, yes, you're right. Ebony is doing amazing things. And anyone who's listened to that podcast would agree wholeheartedly. With that said, you are doing amazing things too, Philip. Like you're going to do three marathons in three months, nowhere near each other. Two years after you started running. Now, how many marathons have you run so far? Just one. I did New York City last year. So that New was, York City last year. Yeah. So, so, so you did so last year you did the 50 miler and you did a marathon. Right. Now you're doing three in three months. You're certainly saying yes to yes. a lot of things. So, so let me ask you this. Yes. Besides having an enviable, if not dangerous, mantra, um, tell me about your goal setting. Yeah. So, <laughs> so thank God I'm going to change that mantra. So every year people do like New Year's resolutions and I find those don't work. So I um, come up with like a thing like this. Say yes. I'm going to just say yes to opportunities. I don't know what 2019 will bring, but I'll come up with something similar. I think 2019 should be sleep on it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll be like, you know, slow it down and take it all in. That, that's There's nothing wrong with that either. There you go. Um, and so, but I am very like detail oriented. Um, I do create lots of lists. I come up with goals. I'm, you know, I'm pen and paper kind of girl. And I write out exactly like January, what's going to happen for the year. And then if, if December, they're not all checked, I'm pretty surprised because that's just like, I'm just driven. Um, like paper to pe- like, if it's on paper, it'll happen. That's how I deal with my goal setting. Um, I'm also, I also my worst like critic and I hold myself to a pretty high standard. So unless like a hurricane comes through here or something disastrous, like it's happening. If I said, I'm going to do it. What I am doing, like I said, now is I'm trying. So even if I don't complete, I'm trying to be compassionate with myself to say, you know, you've done some pretty amazing things, nothing wrong with trying. Um, even if you don't always succeed. So that's new for me, but that's gets considered when I create goals. Now, one thing that we spent a lot of time texting about yesterday was that new Nike ad that oh. came out, the the crazy dreams or dream crazy. I keep I keep juxtaposing or kind of mixing them up in my head, yeah. uh, the title of it. Anyway, it goes through this whole series of like amazing individuals with all different backgrounds, ages, sports, gender, ethnicity, the whole gamut of people who are doing absolutely amazing things. And in the end, um, Colin Kaepernick, who's kind of like the face of this whole ad campaign, he's he's focused a little bit in the show in the shot, but it's kind of like this whole like gamut of athletics, right? Just like doing amazing things and becoming the best version of yourself. Yeah, and it, it was very interesting. I loved, it. and at the end, he kind of takes the whole like dream big approach, where he says. You know, don't ask if you have crazy dreams. Ask if your dreams are crazy enough. I think it's it's basically what is what he says. Yeah. So we're not going to touch on the politics of it. This is an inclusive podcast. I don't want. Listen, there's, if you want politics, there's a lot of places to go for that. Yeah. This is not going to be one of them. But I think the whole dream big thing. I think a lot of people kind of approach it from different ways. First of all, when you saw that and how it was approached, I know it kind of gave me goosebumps. What was oh. your original reaction? goosebumps complete goosebumps and the biggest smile on my face i was so hyped to watch it um i don't i'm I'm not 
you know, I don't really follow sports. As a matter of fact, I don't watch any sports. I don't know what goes on. Um, so some of these people I didn't know, like the footballer with one hand, like uh, incredible, right? Incredible. And it just got me excited. And it, it also made me think, am I dreaming big enough, frankly, which I think was the purpose of the ad, but I thought it was a great ad. Um, and I really like, it resonated with me, especially the beginning line when they're like, if people tell you your dreams are too big, like good, like he didn't say it like that. But it's almost like feed off that. That means you're on the right path. Um, that hit home with me because friends I've had that I'm still friends with before, you know, from before running and like my coworkers and my boss and like, they all think I'm nuts. They all think like, what, what happened? All of a sudden now you do these things. What's going on? Why would you do? I've never been happier. And I get a little rise out of like telling them about like my goals or my dreams and seeing their face. And so the ad was just like spot on. Um, but also I'm lucky to be around a lot of big dreamers. I, I have a great community of people who are doing amazing things, not just in running, but like using running as activism and taking it, um, you know, people do it fundraising for different causes and all this stuff. And, the stuff they're doing is amazing. And so I kind of was in a state of asking myself already this year, like, what am I doing? What am I doing? But man, that commercial just like gave me goosebumps. It was great. Yeah. It, it definitely made me think, okay, how big, how important is dreaming big? Obviously they, they, they present a, a compelling case, right? You see these individuals like, yes, these people wanted to do amazing things and did it. Right. So like, all right, maybe can I do something like that? And then like, I have like this moment where I'm like, literally it's almost like having like the, like the angel and the devil on each on like opposing shoulders. I'm like, part of me is like, yeah, I'm going to like, I'm going to dream big. I'm going to like, I don't know what that means yet, but I'm going to figure it out. And then like the other side of me is like, you know, almost like the self limiting belief slash self sabotage slash like, you know what happened last time type mindset. You know what I mean? I feel like, yeah. it's like, Oh no. Like, I don't want to like do that, go down that road. And then like two months later, it'd be like, Oh, like that was ridiculous. Or like, Oh, my life has changed. Or, Oh, like you weren't committed. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, yes, again, that's not a reason not to do it. No. It's just, that was my initial reaction to it of like, I was like falling. I like immediately like fell back into that like self-critical mode. I think that's part of like us as humans though. Right. Because it's like, it's almost like a protection. You're like afraid Maybe I, I equate it to like being afraid of failure, even like the small areas, but not just the failures is fear of like, you know, how you'll feel about yourself afterwards or what will people think and all, all that stuff happens. Like if you don't meet your dream, that's like normal. But I tell you, Matt, you can cure that real easy. You just sign up for a 50 miler. You train your ass off. You feel really satisfied when you don't finish and then it won't <laughs> matter. It won't matter. Like there's no there's like. So thus far nothing has come in front of me that i'm like oh my god i don't know i can i manage that I, at this point i might not be able to management but who cares i want to try it and i swear as the like 50 mile changed everything <laughs> you just gotta go ultra so yeah you just went on gut instinct right you can you, you describe that scene where it wasn't a thought process it was just a gut feeling yeah i i don't know why i said yes to that it's, in hindsight it was ridiculous but there was something that was compelling me to say why not everyone at the table was looking at Amir when he asked the question nobody everyone was like nah I don't think I can no 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 and I immediately was like I don't think I can either but I want to try and it was the first time I ever had that sensation of not caring about being good at it or succeeding not that I didn't care you know but like that wasn't going to stop me from from seeing if I could and then through the journey believing that I really could and then when the day came at the starting line like yeah, I'm here. Like you could do this. Like that was all so, so real. Um, and, and it was just cause I tried, you know, one of the best, one of my f most favorite parts of any video or podcast or audio is when it was an interview that David Goggins did. And you know, he's like you know, super ultra marathon man, former Navy seal, all that. And, you know, he was, he had like a complete life transformation before entering the seals. And, one of the things that was like one of his not mantras, but kind of like his go-to mentality when he made this whole life transformation was like, if he didn't want to do it, that means he had to do it. <laughs> so like, if he said to himself, like, 
oh man, it's, it's raining. I don't want to run outside. I was like, all right, you know, part of my language, <laughs> you know, part of, you know, it's like, all right, MF or like, that means you have to do it. It was like, that's it. It's like, oh, you didn't want to do it. Oh, guess what? Now you're doing it. And mm-hmm. it was like, that was like, that's what you had to do for him. That was like his internal thought process. It was like, oh, if you don't think that you want to do it or can't do it, that means you have to do it now. Like too bad. So I like, might steal that. I like that actually. I might yeah. have to steal that. Well, I mean, it's, it's like the guaranteed way to get yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and it was, it's, I think his, his Joe Rogan podcast was something that I re I listened to and re listened to constantly. Cause it really is. It's raw. You don't want your kids around <laughs> when you're listening to it, but it's, um, it's real. That's for sure. And there's a lot to take from it. And I think it's one of those things where you've touched on a lot of the same things where you, 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 you took the, you know, pardon this horrible, horrible metaphor, but you took the, the, the path less traveled in a lot of senses in the last two and a half years and it's brought you to this point where you're doing amazing things and it really is incredible. So what are potential, you know, big, big goals for your future? Um, you know, my goals are, it's funny, they're shifting for me right now. I had, um, my original plan was to do the 50 miler again in 2019. Um, and that's why I wasn't so scared of these marathons, like training back to back would be a good base. And then I was going to build. And that was like a really big goal. Um, I definitely think I'll still do that race again. I don't know about 2019. I, I, I've been in a job I don't love for a while and a new career opportunity kind of fell in my place. I mean, in my lap, um, it's, it's, as I mentioned earlier, like being an outdoor guide and, and I um, am in training right now and I love it. So my running goals are, they're not set in stone either way. I, I kind of do these things at the end of the year. Frankly, Matt, I'm just trying to get to these three marathons right now and then I'll, I'll figure it out. But um, I think they might, they might be more of um, enjoying a little bit of a shorter distance in the community aspect of it and still, you know, getting out there consistently, but not really training for anything big in the first half of, of next year um, so that I can really focus on like getting all my licenses and everything in order to, to, to take this, um, this hiking guide uh, path where I want it to go. And, and <laughs> to be fair with myself, uh, as I've been saying, like, Hiking is hard work, man. <laughs> These are long days climbing mountain peaks. Like I almost feel like I'm running in terms of training. Um, so I think that's where like my running and my personal goals are going to go. I can't really see past the first quarter of next year right now. I think just cause I'm in such a limbo, but I'm excited about it. And it's, it's the first time in my life that um, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have a written down plan that I can check the box next to. Um, but I know that I'm on this road behind this door is like a whole world that I can't wait to like run around and explore. And I'm just kind of trusting myself to, to go forward, even though I don't know where it's going to lead right now and see, see what happens. Well, I'm inspired. I can't wait to see what you're able to do. That's for sure. So thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a fascinating conversation. I've been able to have it twice now. I've loved each one. Um, that's for sure. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And before we get going, do the last few questions I like to do at the end of every episode. So first one, when you're running uh, headphones or no headphones. Um, now I'm no headphones. I started with headphones. I could not imagine the horror of not having them. Um, but lately, the last year, I 90% of the time don't bother with headphones unless I want to listen to a podcast or meditation or like I need a pick me up, then I'll put on some music, but mostly no headphones. Okay. So what advice do you give other people, but that you have trouble following? <laughs> um, well, it's just, right now it's a simple one. It's, it's, uh, I lead a stretch at the end of our group run and I tell everyone at the end that if it hurts you to foam roll it <laughs> and I'm having a little trouble getting down on that foam roller. Cause man, it's been hurting me. So that that's the advice right now that I'm struggling to follow. And I do think it's key. So if you're listening foam roll, but don't, don't do what I don't do what I do. Do what I say. <laughs> there you go. All right. So Say you could run only one more race the rest of your life, but you could run it every year. What race would that be? No, hands down, the 50-miler in Mohonk Mountain Preserve. It's called Rock the Ridge, hands down. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. 
Um, you have 24 hours to do 50 miles. It's carriage road, so you don't have to worry about roots and rocks. The scenery is amazing. And um, it, I hear it rains every year, but maybe if you keep doing it every year, you get a sunny year one year. <laughs> so that's my strategy. Yeah, is this supposed to be April showers bring May flowers? Is that supposed yeah. to rain in May? Yeah. And um, the guy I heard, I didn't hear from him directly because he was a little busy in the pouring rain. Um, but the race directors <laughs> said that he picks this weekend because it usually rains and he likes to give the runners a challenge. So, <laughs> Man, runners are sadistic. That's yeah. A, that's, that's the moral of that story. All right. Other end of the spectrum. What's uh, the bucket list race for you? Gosh, I don't know if I've discovered it yet. I think just because I got caught up with what everyone else is doing. I'm trying to get the six world majors, you know. Um, But I would say it's my bucket list. It's definitely going to, like, my bucket list is going to be 100 milers somewhere. Somewhere amazingly insane and scenic, like Colorado or the Pyrenees or Canada or something, like, outdoorsy, in the woods, mountains, glacial lakes, and, like, it's not a hundred miles, maybe like a sequential, like maybe four or five day. I don't know how they do those. It's like totals a hundred miles, but you just do it over several days. That, that's, 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 that's on the list. I haven't found out which is the magical one, but one of those will be the bucket list race. All right. Sounds good. All right. Last one. Who's your dream running partner? <laughs> uh, dead or alive. Uh, well, we want them to run. But how about you do one of each? That right. sounds good. Okay, dream running partner who's dead, definitely Tupac Shakur. <laughs> Hands that down. Is so random. Hands down. I'm a big like hip hop fan. I he, am too, but I didn't even know he was a runner. That's... Uh, yeah, and he was like pretty physically fit and active and played like high school sports, basketball, and whatnot. So I'm sure he could do okay. a 5K at least and right. super interesting. And then alive, I'm going to fangirl a little bit and say like Myrna. Myrna Valerno, who we talked about. I'm a fangirl and said, so love to do a little trail run with Myrna. That would make my day. And you're trying to hook that up. You told I'm me trying. That. I'm trying. I met her once. Um, she mentioned she was moving back to New York. I said, I'm going to stalk you. I would love to like run with you, even if it's in Prospect Park. And she's like, send me a DM in the fall when I'm back. So I'm going to see if she remembers that. But yeah, that there would be go. a dream. Good luck. All right. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming on the show. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time, Matt. Thanks for having me. My pleasure and good luck next three months. Thank you. Thank you, Philippa, for coming on the show. This was such a tremendous conversation. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, listeners, for staying all the way to the end. I can't thank you enough. And thank you for Run for PR's coaching for sponsoring this show. I I am convinced now I will have a running coach forever. I'm going to run forever. I will always have a running coach. And you can get some serious help uh, no matter how good of a runner you are if you go to runforprs.co just a, a wonderful group of people who will help you on your running journey so thank you so much for listening thank you for sharing the podcast if you do please make sure you tag me at rambling underscore runner i love seeing it i love hearing it and with all of that being said have a great day and happy running